Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Good evening. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. I am Matt Beadle, joined by the guy for the second week running from Gunnerstown, Giles Anyam. How are you, Giles? Good evening, sir. I'm doing well yourself. Yes, very well, thank you. Yeah. Very well indeed. Remember, if you'd like to get in touch with us and speak to Giles, you can easily do that. 0208 7020 558. You can WhatsApp us on that number as well. Or you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. Just a reminder that there is a game on this evening. Of course, England are in Sofia playing Bulgaria, desperate to get a victory after that defeat, of course, to the Czech Republic, who, by the way, as a side note, are losing at home 3-0 to Northern Ireland this evening. So I'm sure there will be plenty of black backlash on that one. And just a very quick bit of news that a British man has died in Sofia before the clash this evening. The Foreign and Commonwealth Office said it was supporting the family of a British man who died following an incident in Sofia. As soon as we get any more news on that, we will report it here on Love Sport. And we will be doing live updates from the game as well that kicks off in around 45 minutes or so. Giles, we're going to mm. read out the starting lineup to that in the to the England side that are mm. playing in Bulgaria this evening and uh, yeah mate there's not an, not an Arsenal player in it no no there isn't it's uh, we've kind of gotten used to that over the recent years um, just you know for one reason or another we either haven't produced uh, any England quality players or you know um, yeah it, it's just it's been like that for the last few years but we've got players in the under under 21s coming through we've got Willock and um Inketia who played last week Nelson's also there so you know and um Gareth Southgate made a mention of um Bakaya Saka hmm. the other day so he's one to watch for the future so hopefully we'll um we'll be able to add to the list that ended with Jack Wilshire I think was the last Arsenal player is that the last one was it I think so I could be wrong but I think that was the last one well the lineup is Jordan Pitford Kieran Trippier Tyron Mings making his debut of course this evening in place of Michael Keane Harry Maguire alongside him in the centre of defence Ben Chilwell at left back Jordan Henderson Harry Winks Ross Barkley Raheem Sterling Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford so yeah I mean it's an interesting one isn't it the good thing is that with the youth available to Unai Emery this season and those players coming through, you'd like to think it's only a matter of time before Arsenal being represented in an England shirt again. Well, one and one thing we've seen with Gareth Southgate, for whatever faults and flaws he's got, he does like to promote from the youth. He, he's got no problem, you know, bringing guys up through the, through the ranks. He's he's done that. He, I think he when he came up through the England from the England twenty one under twenty ones, he brought a, <clears throat> a couple of boys with him. So you know, if the boys at Arsenal can uh, continue to show form. And before I'm, I'm sure it's not too long before they will get a chance in the England White. Elsewhere on the international scene, of course, Lucas Torreira has been in action mm. for Uruguay. Say Kolasinac, he played the full 90 minutes for Bosnia. They beat Finland 4-1. Danis Bayoth, of course, played 64 minutes for Spain. Interestingly, mm-hmm. some, some quotes as well that were picked up from Ceballos when asked about whether he missed playing for Real Madrid or yeah. missed being in the setup, And he was quite candid in what he said, his response to that. He said that... He didn't miss Madrid and basically gave quite an indication that he was happy in the Premier League. And whether that's a thinly veiled dig at Zinedine Zidane, you don't know because those two quite clearly don't get on. But from an Arsenal perspective, sounds good. Yeah, but he also said um, 
that um, you know his his future. He does see his future back in Madrid. So you know, um, let's see how that one pans out. I mean, he's happy to be getting first team football here. Obviously, um, things haven't gone too well with Zinedine Zidane. Um, but let's see how that pans out. Maybe he's thinking that Zidane might not be here this time next season. So you know, let's see. Absolutely. And one more name, Nicola Pepe. Mm, scored. He did indeed score. Mm. Now, let's not take anything away from that finish. No, but, yeah. <laughs> A tap in. However, mm. off the mark. So I know he's off the mark mm. for Arsenal, but sometimes, sometimes when players go back to their home comforts, as it were, in mm. familiar surroundings, they they basically come back a, a better player. Can you say that? More confident. Yeah. You know, feel good factor. Let's hope so. So, so um, I saw a lot of people. I saw the goal, but a lot of people were going on about how Zaha really you know, set him up, and you know, will we go back in for Zaha and whatnot? But um, I think um, we'll come on to David Ornstein's quotes a little later. But he said that Arsenal aren't planning to make any sort of swoop in the January transfer window. Well, it but, would be um, baffling if they mm, did, considering they spent seventy-two million on Nicola Pepe, and it's mm, quite funny, isn't it, that the two of those play together when you mm, think about it? And they got on very well. Yeah, yeah. considering all the speculation. Mm in the summer a player who didn't turn out for his country uh, yesterday was Kieran Tierney however mm. Scotland of course did win 6-0 and on yesterday's fans forum our very own Dave Seeger of course spoke to Stanford Chidge and Gavin Williams from the Scotland Football Podcast who apparently believes that Tierney has got more in his locker than Scotland captain Andrew Robertson in the last sort of few weeks I've actually been thinking that for Scotland actually Kieran Tierney is a better fit than Andy Robertson. He's captain, um, though, isn't he, Robertson? Yeah, he's captain, but I would still, I would still have Kieran Tierney starting most games ahead of Robertson, and the reason for that is exactly what I sort of mentioned earlier: is that Tierney may, gives you a, a much better defensive uh, performance than Andy Robertson does. Kieran Tierney um, also has more of a, a leadership, uh, more of the leadership qualities than Andy Robertson has, in my opinion. Um, wow. Which again is definitely a can't wait a to see him playing for Arsenal every week then. <laughs> Interesting stuff, mm. that, isn't it? I yeah. mean, Andrew Robertson, who has arguably been one of the best left-backs in Europe over the past season or so, mm. you know, came to Liverpool for £8 million from Hull. Everybody mm. at the time not derided that that move, but everyone thought, crikey. Well, he, I live... And he took a bit of time to oust Moreno from that position He did, as well, yeah. So, they they yeah. bedded him in, but yeah. that was over a long period of mm. scouting. Around 10 months or so, Liverpool had been mm. taking a look mm-hmm. on Andrew Robertson. Alongside Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, you've got two of the best full-backs in the Premier League. but Amongst for, Europe as well. Absolutely. Yeah. But for a Scottish journo to come out and say he thinks, and that, he's not a Celtic supporter no, or anything. No, he's not, yeah. He's impartial. To come out and say yeah. that he thinks Tierney offers more, it's quite telling. Yeah, especially he was saying, in, especially in the defensive sense as well, as well as attacking, he's much more secure, he's much more assured in a defensive sense. Um, and he was saying that he would rather see, uh, I think Dave's Dave's point was he would, would, we, would, would they have... Um, toy with the option of playing Robson further forward and Tierney in left back and he was like no no Tierney left back because we've got Christie or somebody Ryan Christie or whoever it is that plays the left they've got a lot of left footers but basically Tierney offers. and remember Tierney from a young age he's really sort of like shown those leadership qualities I think at Celtic he was sort of like earmarked as maybe Scott Brown's successor at Parkhead so we've brought in somebody not only good you know, on the ball on on the field, he's actually got leadership qualities off of it. So, yeah, if he can oust Andy Robertson, it'd be great. You know, another thing is Andy Robertson. I don't. He doesn't strike me as a sort of a leader. He's kind of, he, you know, he was a, you know, he's a great footballer, 
but it's hard. I didn't see anything. I, no one ever mentioned him being sort of like, you know, um, you know, anybody sort of with that kind of leadership potential. And at Liverpool also, I don't see him much as a leader. So I was, is he a leader in terms of what he does on the pitch? Like when we used to give people like David Beckham and, and Shearer the armband because of what they did in the pitch rather than sort of being a galvanizer. Mm. I don't know. But, you know, Tierney seems to have those natural qualities. So It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you think they give an armband to someone because they play for a club like Liverpool mm. or Manchester United or Arsenal. And in this sense, Andrew Robertson, what I would say is that he's a true professional. Mm. He seems very much like that, committed 100% every game. So perhaps that is mm. why. This is, of course, the last round of international games before the weekend when Premier League football returns. And I don't know whether I'm happy about about being happy about mm. that, but football fans generally are. You yeah, know, yeah. You're very much looking forward to the international break. Are you? To the, to the return of, yes, yeah. absolutely. International break is, it's just become, a, I suppose to most point fans, it's kind of pointless, really, because it's... <laughs> well, it's also it? qualification yeah, for I know, a major but, I mean, some of the, I mean, Okay, but some of them, like in March, you've got friendlies, or in November, there's another round of friendlies. There's, in August, there's a round of friendlies. I mean, why? You know, we want to get on with the football. That's what, we, that's what we're here for. We want to get on with the domestic football. I mean, qualifiers, fine. You know, you have qualifiers, but all these... Um, Nations League and friendlies and whatnot and all these money making schemes by these FAs to sort of like you know fleece the fans of money we just want to play we just want to watch proper football we just yeah? want to watch proper football and someone else who wants to do that is our very own Charlie East who I believe is on the line right now Charlie you are missed my friend talk to me Good evening, guys. How are you? How you doing, mate? I miss you too as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, the I international break is nearly over. Premier League football is nearly back upon us. The international break is rubbish, mate. I really don't like it. Really, really don't like it. It's boring. It's predictable. Mm. I know England lost the other night. But realistically, you know what teams are going to qualify. And I think it's got to be worrying about it's just which players are going to come back injured. That's what I look out for. Charlie, and don't you think there's too many international breaks? Like all these friendlies in March, pointless games in oh, March and August no, and whatnot. It's season already, mate. We've had August, one in September, October, we've got another one in November. Exactly. It's, just, it's non-stop. It's like yeah. you play three league games and you've got an international break yeah. every week. This does have to happen, though. It does have to happen, Charlie, because come the summer, listen, are you one of those guys who come the summer, you are England through and through and you're buzzing? Oh, yeah, I'll go out there. I've been to every World Cup in the There you go. I've been Brazil, it's not mate, it's, I mean, those tournaments aren't just like toilet roll at home, mate. They don't just suddenly appear, you know. You, you, there's got to be a nah, qualification on, tournament in order for the club, for the country to get there. I understand that, but let's get, there should be some... I don't know. It can be done better. Mm. You don't need this many games to qualify. Mm. Maybe you don't need a home and away league. I don't know. I don't, realistically, 99% of the time, the teams that qualify, the two teams, the two-seeded teams in the group, right? I know there isn't a, there's a breakthrough thing sometimes, but it's too many. I, I, I understand it does need doing, but international football realistically has taken a back foot from all the other stuff. Yeah, mm. just the money, the financial, the European football, and ultimately, I know it's the great debate as well. I'd much rather see Arsenal win the Champions League than England win the World Cup. Hands down. Sorry, hang on a sec, mate. I'm going to have to pull you up on that. You'd prefer to see Arsenal win the Champions League than England to win the World Cup. You know what? One million percent. Over the the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, I've seen a lot of people are much more interested in their club football team than international football. Really? Yeah, they'd rather rather their own side, their club team, win something over their national team. Probably about 10 10 to 15,000 pounds a year going to watch Arsenal. Um... 
I invest my time, my effort, my energy into it completely. Arsenal all day, every day for me, mate. That's... As much as I love England, I want England to do well, and oh, you can watch it with all your mates. Yeah. There's too many Tottenham players in the England team for my liking. <laughs> well, and I, I, and I, fully, I can't fully get behind that because of that either. Well, well do, do you know what? I know this is the Arsenal fan show, but I'm just going to dwell on this point for a little bit because I understand, right? I understand where you're both coming from and I understand that you plough a lot of your hard-earned cash into your club week in, week out. That is your bread and butter. But you say you go away to these tournaments. I Where have I? I went to Euro 20 in 2004. I went to the World Cup a couple of years later. I was out in 2016 in France saw the Wales game actually which was incredible but if I'm not out there I'm with my mates and we are yeah. we are all as one supporting one team which is rare because often when you have a group of mates everybody supports different teams and there's a bit of needle yeah. and it's all a bit of fun and it's all a bit of banter but when you are all striving for that common goal I just don't know when I've travelled and watched my country abroad for me that's not like anything else but Matt don't you think there are too many friendlies I mean they've got this Nations League for Scotland can qualify for the Euro Champions, Euro 2020, if they kind of win their, their Euro... Well, it's the Nations League. League. Yeah, but that's yeah. not friendlies, is it? That's actually I mean, a kind of a, an extension of a If you're out, you're out. It's the top two. The top two go through. If yeah, you're I, out, you're out. You can't have a third or fourth place team who've, who got beaten by Russia, who's still got a chance of qualifying. Yeah. That's, that's a nonsense. And it's just a money-making scheme. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And friendlies, yeah, listen, they can be quite turgid yeah. and quite dour and boring. But the, the, um, what I'm basically focusing on is what you said, Charlie, in the sense of that you prefer to... to... And I, I, I generally, generally stand by, mate. I mean, I get wrapped up in the England... England craze, so to say, and I mean, don't get wrong, I mean, I was in Moscow in the semi-final we lost, I was there, I paid an absolute fortune for a ticket, right, and I went, and I was in Ru- Moscow and Russia, but when we lost, oh, I was gutted, yeah, I won, and oh well, move on to, I can't wait for the Premier League season to start, <laughs> I mean, one then one, yet, yet with Arsenal, Arsenal lose an FA Cup final, Ooh. mate, that's with you all summer, mate, yeah. it's heart-wrenching, it? yeah. And, and that, I mean, when we lost the Champions League final to Barcelona, all right, I was very upset and, and the, the way it happened, there was more proud, 10 men. And deep down, I'm sure every Arsenal fan thought, it's all right, we'll be back there again. It's fine. But since then, mate, we've, Chelsea won it, which is heartbreaking. Mm. Tottenham got to a Champions League final. If, that, if they would have won that, mate, Ooh. we would never have been able to lift that down. No. Right, so it is all well and good about oh yeah, everyone together, England. But for me personally, in a selfish sense, I want Arsenal to win the Champions League so I can be the one walking into work <laughs> or walking home, and I'm the one who's got me head on. I can take the mic out of everyone else. Maybe it might be a selfish thing. I don't know. It is selfish. Arsenal you have means... a right to be selfish, out, Charlie. What's that, mate? You have a right to be to be selfish. I think. No, exactly. I, I, I just, I, I'm just so club oriented. Maybe I'm a bit too mad for Arsenal, I, but I, I just. Do you, do you remember in your dad's day, was your, did your dad sort of like, was, did your dad have the same sort of way of thinking or was he more sort of internationals and whatnot? How well, did... I, think, I, I don't know, I think it's different eras. My dad I think always so said too. growing up, he said like he was a bit young for the 66 World Cup, but I think he got gripped by like the 1990 World Cup. Mm. Well, I was too young for that at all. I was like two years old. I, mean, so I don't remember it. But he said he used to love sort of England, but that sort of... I think that that team sort of gripped the nation, so to speak, didn't it? I think. Yeah, I think you're. Right. I think that's. I think Charlie's got a point there. I think it's generational we're talking. About. I mean, obviously, it sounds like you sound it seems different. You see it differently from Matt from. England from been Charlie, rubbish my yeah. whole life, really. 
But I think I, mean, I think more and more it's become a generational thing, whereas the younger generation yeah. are much more yeah. sort of club oriented. Whereas before, I, I I completely understand your argument. I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong. I mean that's the beauty of it. We get to debate sure. it. But just to finish on this, when you said about you know you're saying that if England didn't win a World Cup final, you'd be like, oh, that's a shame, but we move on. If Arsenal didn't win a Champions League final, you'd be devastated. For me, it yeah. is the opposite. I think if my club side weren't to win a major final, yes, you're devastated and you're gutted, but you think, do you know what? We go again in a couple of months. When it's a World Cup or European Championships, you've got either two years or four years, however you want to look at it, you've got that long wait before you get to go again. But it kind of it, does dissipate after a while, though, doesn't it? It does dissipate, but you can't. In that instance, you think we are never going to get mm. that chance again. Whereas in Arsenal's case, you think, well, do you know what? We're probably going to have a very similar squad mm. in a few months' time, and we go again. Yeah, but something else as well. Like, I'd like to put to you. I know, I know it's an Arsenal show, but for example, I, I, I'm not. I'm going to say it lightly. I really, really, really don't like Deli Alley. Okay, <laughs> I just don't like him as a footballer. I don't like him as a person. I don't like him because okay? he's a Tottenham player. And it always comes with. When he scores a goal for England, mm. I can't even cheer that because he's got it. And uh, I know it's a bit of a weird one, but I generally I just I, I can't be against him the whole season and hope he sort of doesn't do well and so on, and then find myself cheering for him in the summer. I, I, I know it's a very strange debate, and my mind probably works differently than other people. But <laughs> Mate, all, all that does is just show you've got strong morals, Charlie. There you go. You're not a hypocrite. There we go. But it's rolled on Sheffield United on Monday, mate. That's what we're looking forward to. That is what a we're looking for. A cold, wet, windy day at Bramwell Lane. We know we're not going to get nothing up there. <laughs> Indeed. Well, mate, as much as I'd love to talk to you about that game, we do have to move on. Charlie East, it has been nothing but a pleasure talking England and Arsenal with you. See you soon. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Plenty more coming up. Love Sport. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with Giles Anyam from Gunnerstown. England are due to play Bulgaria and Sofia shortly. Just a quick reminder of that starting lineup: Pickford, Trippier, Mings, Maguire, Chilwell, Henderson, Winks, Barkley, Sterling, Kane and Rashford will be giving you updates as and when that game kicks off and anything exciting or perhaps not so exciting happens in that one. Giles, we're going to move on to some more current issues and, and, and formation strategy tactics that Dave Seeger has talked about with regards to Arsenal. But before we do that, just a very quick one, mate. Mm-hmm. Today is the 14th anniversary of what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll think back. So it's 2004. I'm wrong. The, was, t- yeah. the 24th anniversary. Right. This is a completely, of, utterly yeah. pointless. Uh, Ian Wright, his goal. Mate, yeah. you, yeah. you pulled it out of the bag. Yeah, Lukic, Leeds United, Ellen Road. Yeah, I know. Holy crap. Was yeah. that somewhere on Twitter today? No, I just know. Get out of town. One of my favourite ever players. Yeah. You know that that was on the yeah. 14th of October in 1995. Yeah. Wowzers. Every year I go on and I, I tweet that. Every Do year. you? Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. When you, when you said 12, 14, that's like, what happened Yeah, so I, I always get that like, wrong. <laughs> my maths is absolutely <laughs> awful. But yes, what a goal. <laughs> yeah, what a goal. One of many great goals. Uh, unrivaled, unparalleled scorers. In my opinion, Thierry Henry, best striker, best finisher I've ever seen at Arsenal, in Arsenal shirt, Ian Wright, without a shadow of a doubt. Really? Best, could do anything. Could do it Could do it all. And usually did. You know, George Graham said there was a structure, 10 men in the structure, and then he'd leave Ian Wright to do, he'd just say to them, get the ball to Ian Wright and let him fit. He, he did it. He did it. I mean, he was such a massive character that I know um, Alan Smith in his biography said that he felt intimidated by him. You know, mm. he, his whole game, his whole demeanour, 
changed because of, of uh, Ian Wright's aura. He was, until Dennis Burkat came along, he was the, our one special player. Yeah, intimidation yeah. was one of his tactics as yeah. well, wasn't it? I remember seeing an interview with, randomly, Barry Venison back in the day, but mm. he was doing some punditry and they were asking him about what he thought of Ian Wright. They didn't really phrase the question as to be like, what do you make of Ian Wright, the player? Mm. And he actually said, oh, I hate him. <laughs> on, the, on the pitch, I absolutely hated him because he was like he dredged up whatever he could yeah. about me, about my friends, family, whatever, just to unsettle me. Yeah. And that was part of his tactic. Yeah. Favourite player for you of all time? It's, is that Ian yeah, Wright? I'd say. Really? Yeah. Wow, there we go. Ian Wright, yeah, great guy. I remember, he's also spoken off that goal as well, hasn't he? Because, of course, mm. he had prior knowledge of John Lukic being an ex-Arsenal yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah. Knew exactly what he was going to be doing. Yeah. yeah, 24 years since that goal at LM Road, which Giles Anyam knew all about. <laughs> so there we go. He's caught me on the hot there. Um, in yesterday's Fans Forum with Dave Seeger, our mm. very own Dave Seeger and Dave Chigi, they were discussing Arsenal and Chelsea. Of course, Dave is a massive Chelsea fan, but they got onto the topic of Arsenal. And Dave alluded to the fact that maybe, maybe Unai Emery just chucks all his best players on the pitch at once and adopts more of a 4-3-3 approach with Alexandra Lacazette taking up the Roberto Firmino role. So we've been panned for leaking goals. And I think our first choice back four has holding Bellerin and Tierney in it. Yeah. That hasn't happened one league game no. this season yet. So, in fact, none of those three have started a league game. Yeah. So, you know, after the international break, we could well have those three players plus one of Louise and Socrates as a back four. Now, not only does that make our back four much stronger, and I was very interested to hear Gavin's views on Kieran Tierney, obviously delighted to listen to that from someone who's watched him a lot more than I have, that um, not only does it make us stronger defensively, I think the question is, and I, I think I said to you off air, if if the if the template he's working to is the Liverpool template, which looks like it might mm. be with a four three three, and everyone's saying, oh, "Where's Ozil? There's no creativity. There's no link play to the strikers. We've got these three great players up front, and there's no link play." And I look at Liverpool, and I think, "Where's the exciting link play from Henderson, Fabinho, and um, Wijnaldum? There isn't any. The, the 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 overlap and the link play and the attacking stuff comes from the fullbacks." So when you've got Bellerin and Tierney, that's a lot different to Maitland-Niles and Kalazanak in quality. So mm. I'm waiting to see what happens when that's the team. And if, that's, if that doesn't work, then I'll start asking serious questions. Interesting stuff from mm. Dave Seeger there, who's basically suggesting that it's more about getting your fullbacks in order, those ducks in a row, mm. in order to play the attacking football that Arsenal could potentially play. I'm not going to say that you're going to emulate Liverpool exactly, mm. but there's kind of a model there when you think of, like we mentioned earlier, Andrew mm. Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, mm. that Arsenal, once you get Bayer in and Tierney in mm. full throttle, could well be the same. Well, just to add to Dave's uh, notion, um, before, tier- before um, Bayer in went down injured, he was right up there with uh, Trent Arnold and uh, Robertson for assists and current chances created before he went down injured in January or November, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And if you add Tierney to that mix now, I said, you know, when we signed Tierney, I think in the next 18 months, we've got two fullbacks who will rival the Liverpool duo, you know, because they have that, they have that modern way of playing. Um, whether we will model our style on Liverpool, I don't know, because Liverpool don't have any real playmakers in their team especially in the midfield. Up front, I don't think Lacazette can play. I don't think Lacazette really is that kind of Firmino player. Lacazette will offer himself to the team, but he wants to score. I think Firmino doesn't mind whether he scores or not. I think Lacazette is sort of like reluctantly kind of given, you know, given, given um, um, Aubameyang the alpha male role. Mm. 
Mm. You know, um, but I don't know if he can do exactly what Firmino does. Let's see. I don't know. I'm not even sure that's a great, the best formation for us. Really? Yeah, because you know, Torreira likes playing in a double pivot. He played for Uruguay, best player in the game, in a double pivot. He plays most of his games, you know, his best games for Uruguay and previously at Sampdoria in a double pivot. We're playing him forward, you know, with uh, with Xhaka at the base. I'm not sure that's getting the best out of him. I'm not sure he's getting the best out of Xhaka, you know. Um, so I don't know. I, Let's see. I'm not sure he's going to go with a four-three-three. I think he might revert back to four-two-three-one. Interesting. Well, it does. I kind of said this from the outset that for me, it all feels like Arsenal fans just needing a little bit of patience in order for Emery's team that he wanted to develop in the summer to all come back firing fully fit. And I think when Tierney and Bellerin do come back, as Dave Seeger has said, it could be a completely different ball game for Arsenal. However, Dave Seeger did also say that he's not entirely sure that Unai Emery will be at the club next season. We've got some audio for that. I'm just waiting for our producer just to line it up. But on that note, Giles, mm. yeah, Dave doesn't think that, um, that Unai Emery will be at the club next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear that. Um, you know, the fan base, um, as David Ornstein said, the fan base, in terms of the fan base, he's walking a tightrope. You know, his, 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 um, his support kind of lurches from one result to another. You know his credit lurches from one result to another. So if we, you know, if we if we have suffer a defeat or a poor a poor game, you know, people come on and they they pan him. If he if he if he if he wins, then obviously supporters come out of the woodwork and whatnot. So, um, in terms of the club, it seems like they're happy with him. They're content with him. They know it's a long road, you know, and he's he's what he's trying to implement is going to take time to work to come to fruition. Um, but the fan base are a different kettle of fish, and as we've seen, you know, fan bases can be very influential. You know, whether they can influence Raul and the executive team, I don't know. But if we don't get top four, it'll be interesting to see where the club goes. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of Emery getting those players ready to go, in terms of him getting all his ducks in a row, we've now got ours. Here is the audio from Dave. My current guesswork is he, he probably won't be. Um, you know, there's a break clause in his contract at the end of the season. You don't so think he'll be here? I personally don't think he'll be here next year. Wow, because um, he's a good manager, mate. I'm astonished by that. Well, we're used to a style now, <laughs> and I, I, I'm willing to be backing of a pragmatic manager that gets mm. us three points mm. for a while. But I think, and I think, if we had an average squad like George Graham latterly had an average, you know, that average squad, and we were getting results, people would accept it. Mm. But when you've got the quality of players that we've spent yeah. money on the last few years, I think the fan base expects slightly more flair and aggression and panache. Panache says Dave Seeger. We're going to get into that and a David Ornstein Q&A that he's done today all about Arsenal later on the Arsenal Fan Show Love Sport. Love Sport. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Myself, Matt Beadle here, joined by Giles Anyam from Gunnerstown. We heard from Dave Seeger before the ads and he thinks, he's not sure entirely whether Unai Emery will be in charge at Arsenal next season. His reason for that being that he's got a good squad. Unlike what George Graham had, is what he referenced back in the day. And, mm. You know, didn't have a great squad to, to deal with at Arsenal. Unai Emery, on, on the other side of it, does have a very good squad. And he thinks if he doesn't get the best out of that squad, Emery could be on his way out. What do you think, John? Um, I think, as I said before the break, that there's a, there's, you know, I think there's a, in, there's a growing feeling amongst the Arsenal fan base that... Um, 
he's not getting the answers from this squad. You know, it's a talented squad. And um, we just, you know, the results are coming. We've only lost once this season in the league. But in terms of performances-wise, and you know, the, the, the manner of the performances are not really great. And I think a lot of people are thinking if he doesn't get us into the top four, then he should leave. So I'm not surprised, um, you know, um, it's a results business. And, you know, he had the first year to get to get used to the to the league, to the players, to the squad, to the system, whatever, get his systems in place. And a lot of people are now thinking, well, if you don't, if you, you know, if you don't, then you're off. But like I said, now there's conjecture about the length of his contract. So, you know. Indeed there is. Well, we're going to get on to that. Like I said, there is... Uh, a Q&A today from David Ornstein, of course, a very respected Arsenal journo, tends to come out with the stuff that mm. Arsenal fans are in favour of, would you say? Well, they don't call him... He's got loads of nicknames, David <laughs> Ornstein, but he's the king of Arsenal info. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> name like Ornstein, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. On the line now, we've got fellow Gunnerstown alumni, Paul from Gunnerstown, Paul Hepker, Invincible blog, of course, of Gunnerstown. How are you doing, Paul? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, you doing, very mate? good, mate. Great to have you on. The, the, the South African branch of Gunnerstown. Yeah, <laughs> the South African branch. Just, I just came back from Zululand. I had a crazy weekend out there. Um, and so <laughs> I'm recovering. You sound a bit hoarse. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it was a late night singing, lots of whiskey. <laughs> and I'm surrounded by Zulus and I don't speak Zulu. So I was just... Um, you know, kind of chipping in when I could and trying to catch a thread of, of what was going on. I've got to say, this this show's going here, there and everywhere this evening. Paul, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No. We, we were just we having a... still here in Love Sport, right? <laughs> we were just having a, a debate there about Unai Emery and his future at the club. Dave Seeger in particular thinks that he may not be there next season. Giles is kind of somewhere in the middle, I suppose. What's your take on this one? I hope he isn't. <laughs> but really? I'm not sure who... who would who would replace him yeah i'm really not enjoying um i haven't enjoyed these last two years to be honest and wow. you know it's hard to you know to see that we did relatively well last year i mean europe europa league final one points off of fourth we could we should basically have been third you know i think you know, we kind of blew it towards the end and we could have been six or seven clear of tottenham um so that said, you you look at the results and you go, oh, okay, so it's the three points and it's the, it's the championship final. But then you go and lose like we did to Chelsea. You know, you blow the season kind of playing football. If you go, what the hell is going on? You know, it's not enjoyable. And this season, I'm sorry to say, kind of feels more of the same. You know, we had that um that crazy 22 game unbeaten run last year. Um, and, you know, we may be on, on the same path now, but it's just not convincing. I'm, I'm sorry, I, you know. What and it makes me question, what, why, you know, why do I watch? You know, why, well, why do I support Arsenal? Mm. I, I suppose that's the question that everyone has to ask themselves when they're asked this question. Because people say, well, how can you be unhappy when your team's doing so well or the results were more important? But I think just, you know, it's like choosing a car or a flavor of ice cream or, you know, like a there's there's an Arsenal way of doing things and, and the kind of football that Arsenal plays that I've seen them play is the kind of football that I like watching and I'm not seeing it and so that's that's what it is I mean yes I'll still eat the same ice cream and I'll still drive the same car but I'm not enjoying it like I, I have what's the reaction so like that on, your question what's, what's the reaction on Gunnerstown like obviously Gunnerstown kind of you know, it, it, you know it's, it's read by loads and thousands of people and what's the, what's the kind of response you guys get 
on Gunnerstown? I'd, I'd say that, you know, kind of the opinion that I've just expressed is maybe 60 to 70%. Obviously, the people that write and blog mm. are more likely to have an opinion. And to have an opinion, generally, you, you know, stick your head above the parapet and say something um, contrary or, or interesting. Um, so I think, that, that, you know, the people that I'm hanging out with on Gunnerstown <coughs> are more likely to tend towards being critical you know, it's kind of it's kind of what we do, I think, as Arsenal um, bloggers and you know Twitter accounts, people that are, are very active. I think that we're more engaged with our enjoyment, or you know, with our um, with, with football and with Arsenal in particular. I think um, some people are you know are more prepared to just accept it as a spectacle, something that they're not part of or that they can't change, and so just sit back and support your club and cheer loudly. You know, it's kind of it's a dilemma, you know, because we get this question all the time. And I think, sorry to answer your question, I think majority of the Gunnerstown writers that I know have this sense of dis-ease, you know, or unease, that there's something just not quite right, you know. It, it, yeah, it's, something's broken. I'm not sure what it is. So. <coughs> Great, Paul. We are you know, going to talk... Maybe I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk more about this Ornstein Q&A because plenty of fascinating stuff to come on Love Sport. Love Sport. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle with Giles Anyam and Paul, our South African Gunnerstown rep as well on the line. Now, I have referenced this David Ornstein Q&A that he's done with The Athletic today. And we're now discussing Unai Emery and whether he should be at the club next season and indeed whether we think he'll be at the club next season. And I just want to touch on a couple of the questions that Ornstein was asked regarding Emery's contract. And it's quite interesting because... His info that he gave was that Emery signed a three-year contract with no break clause. However, the Times have said there is a break clause after the second season. Now, add to this the news that Ornstein has said the club are very content with Emery. They feel this work will take time to see fruition, obviously aware of what happened with Manchester United post-Fergie. Giles, it's, I mean, there's it's conflicting information. Mm. There's, it's, it's difficult to kind of ascertain exactly yeah, what's going on. Exactly. Um, as I said, Ornstein's quite good with um, Arsenal information. And if the club are... Cont- and, and the thing is, when you listen to people like Raul and Per Mertesacker and Edu, they do kind of... They're all, they do sort of have a joined-up thinking. They all seem to be on the same page. And, you know, I don't know how fans are going to take this, you know, if they see him still in position next season, whether whether or not we get chopped up for, because I think the other day Raul said that, look, it's not dependent. It's not actually, we expect top four, but his job is not dependent on whether we get top four or not. So, um, you know, I don't know how fans will take this, but um, yeah, it seems like the club are ready to sort of like see, let his work sort of like, you know, um, bear fruit and see where it goes rather than chopping and changing, as, as they've said, Reference Man United has sort of changed every two years. Mm. And they're, still in, they're even in a worse position than they were you know, before. So. Paul, another one that's going to uh, certainly not delight Arsenal fans, because this is something that, to me, is reminiscent very much of the Arsene Wenger era. And I lost patience with Arsene Wenger saying, oh, do you know what? We could have signed Zlatan before he went to X, Y and Z. Do you know what? We could have signed Ronaldo before he went to Manchester United. And my comeback on that one was, we well, didn't. 
you didn't sign them. So actually, you're making yourself look worse because you decided not to sign a player that you probably should have signed. And David Ornstein has come out with the info that Arsenal could have signed Antoine Griezmann in 2017 had Arsenal got Champions League football. They were also very, very interested in Virgil van Dijk as far back as 2015. What do you make of that? Yeah, these could have, should have, <laughs> you know, um, if, you, if you look at the list of people that we were linked to and, you know, that wanted to play for us. I mean, the Griezmann thing, it's sad because I think we also missed that by one point, right? We were mm. one point off Champions League. I think we have been yeah. here for the last two seasons. So, you know, one point makes a big difference, which which is why VAR really irritates me because... <laughs> You know, it doesn't really help. It still manages to get stuff wrong. Yeah. And those points, they all matter, you know, because they could change the trajectory in the, in the, of, of, of a club, you know, um, so drastically. Funny enough, um, Paul. So each point, each point matters. Yeah, sorry. Funny enough, we could have got him associated before he even went to, to, to Atletico. But um, apparently, yeah, Stat DNA or Stat DNA said that he wasn't worth the money. So. Well, I don't know how I would have felt... Um, if if we had signed him, because I was there um, in that game uh, when when they I think they beat us. Mm. Or did they draw with us or something? They drew with us at home and we, beat, we lost him away. Yeah, with him. And he did his mm. his little clown dance with the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fortnite. Yeah, you know. And if I'd been a sniper, I, I probably would have been um, you know, <laughs> sorely tempted. Just it's just one of those obnoxious, annoying things that certain players do that just. Oh. Anyway, but um, he's amazing. I, I, I rate him highly. Um, it's yeah, it's sad to miss 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 out on these players, but it, it happens so much. I mean, I think you know every club has claims to you know to getting somebody early or you know, if they've identified a player early or coming really close. It's um, I, you know I, I I don't really hold too much. Um, I don't I don't invest too much emotion in the transfer. Stuff because you know, and in, in this Ornstein um, interview that you're talking about, he talks about um, the Arteta mm. transfer from Everton and and how that almost fell apart. And the last day, in fact, he actually had announced that it was over because Arsenal had faxed through an agreement that wasn't what Everton and Arteta had agreed to, and so they just said it's not going to happen. And so there were frantic phone calls or faxes, and Arsenal promised that they would rectify it. <coughs> you know, after after deadline day transpired, they would make it right. You know. And um, Arteta and Everton took a chance on on that happening, and, and so we got Arteta at the time. But I just think that there's so much that can go wrong, um, you know, at the last minute. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and what is the saying? Until you see them on the pitch with the, you know, the Arsenal shirts in their in their hands. You, you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, as, as of next week, we are going to see Arsenal players with those shirts on again. Just before you go, it's been great having you on. Next week, Sheffield United, back to winning ways for Arsenal? I hope so. Um, like Charlie said, I think it's going to be a tough, tough game. Um, but I think they're better away, right, than at, at home. So, um, And we're better at home than away, so I don't know. It's, mm. okay. it's, it's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll let you way. sit on the fence on that one, Paul. <laughs> Mate, thank you for joining us. It's been great. That was Paul from Gunnerstown. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Love Sport. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. I'm Matt Beadle, joined 
by Giles Anyam from Gunnerstown. Right, England have kicked off in Sofia. It is currently 0-0. We'll bring you updates on that game throughout the evening. I'm with you through to 11pm, so we'll be seeing that game right through. But after this, we will turn our attentions, of course, back to the Premier League and Arsenal visit Bramall Lane next Monday, Giles, Mm. to play Sheffield United, who, to be fair, have been better on the road than they have been on home turf this season. Before we get into that game, let's just look back Mm. at some of the fixtures of years gone by. Now, ones to stick out for me, firstly, the game, the last time that Sheffield United were in the Premier League Mm. was the clash at Bramall Lane. And Phil Jagielka had to go in goal because yeah. Paddy Kenny was sent off in the yes. uh, sorry was injured in the 61st minute. Sheffield United yeah. did not have a substitute goalkeeper on the yeah. bench. Jagielka had took the, the gloves, had the game of his life, mate. <laughs> and Arsenal failed to score. Yeah. Best part of 40 minutes. Yeah. Do you remember that one? I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> but incredible, wasn't it at the time? I mean, yeah. that was it was a, one of those brilliant December fixtures just before New Year, and yeah, banter era. The what? Yeah. The banter era. Is that what you call it? Yeah, it's probably the one that started. That's 2006. 2006 yeah, going into start, 2007. That was started the banter era. Well, first season. Uh, yeah, yeah first of season the banter era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like WWE, <laughs> like the attitude era, the banter era. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and it, I mean, that one was a particularly interesting clash when I think mm. of others on neutral ground of course the FA Cup semi-final 2002-03 Seaman save Seaman save the greatest ever one of the greatest ever that's what it's been labelled as yeah yeah brilliant save I mean gosh you know and the thing is I remember that game I remember thinking we're going to tonk this lot Mm. you know what I mean and it was it was quite a struggle you know it's quite it's quite a tough game but um, also another famous one was the uh, FA Cup fifth round match when uh, Kanu um, didn't conduct himself in a gentlemanly fashion didn't, didn't know the rules <laughs> didn't know of the rules. association football. That's what, well, yeah, all right. Um, a bit of gamesmanship. We went up and scored. and then. But to his credit, Wenger did offer them a, a rematch. He did. You know? Well, so, so, I mean, obviously, we, you know, it was at Highbury. And I, I understand Carnu going after the ball and perhaps being slightly confused. I get that 100%. It was Mark Overmars <laughs> who then responded to it and sprinted in the area to pick you up the cross. You played to the whistle though, Matt. I know, but you're taught to play sh- to the whistle. But everybody, every player should surely have then turned around and gone and one quote, just just pass it back, just give it back to the keeper. But Overmars it, sprinted. Yeah, he's, he's got his mind's on the game. <laughs> not everyone can be Paolo Di Canio and, and and catch the ball when he knows he's not going to score and get a game, you know, a yeah. game, you know, spirit of the game award or whatever. No, Overmars is a killer. Play to the whistle, you know. So um, I'm sorry, Sheffield United fans, but uh, it's what it is. You know, Kabadiawara started mm. up front for Arsenal that day. Kabadiawara. There's a name from Good the past. Bennett, yeah. But yes, of course, Steve Bruce then hauled mm. his players off and Wenger in the post-match interview offered to replay the game. And of course, it happened and it was the same outcome. 2-1. There you so, go. There we go. It ends well. It is 1-0 in Sofia. Marcus Rashford, who has received a bit of criticism this season, shall we say, for his finishing prowess, has scored in Bulgaria. When we see a slow motion replay of that, we'll give you a bit more detail. An absolute cracker Mm -hmm. of a strike from Marcus Rashford. That is Bulgaria 0, England 1. We, of course, did see this against Czech Republic when a certain Spurs striker slotted home a penalty just seeing the replay now Ross Barkley is on the ball Rashford 
is in the left-hand side of the box. He receives it from Ross Barkley, cuts, goes down the wing on the left, cuts inside with a Cruyff and absolutely rasps it in from quite a very tight angle. Great goal go off the bar from Marcus well. Rashford. Nice the keeper, keeper has tapped it onto the bar and it's crashed into the back of the net. So that is Beans. Bulgaria nil, England one. Beans, mm. says Giles Anyan. Bins or beans? Bins. 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 Or beans would be appropriate because yeah. that's what Jesse Lingard calls him. There oh, we go. It? Yeah. Right. I'm not into Man United. Beans, beans, beans. <laughs> well, no, it was when they're away. Uh, we yeah. are focusing, of course, mm. on Arsenal. Uh, we're going to finish with our nostalgia. Now, of course, the last meeting was in 2008. Arsenal mm. 6, Sheffield United nil on that occasion. If I remember, was that the kind of... I know Carlos Villa scored a good few goals, and I'm wondering if he scored a goal in that match. He scored three, there you my go. friend. There you he go. scored three. Nicholas Bentner bagged mm. a brace, and Lord Jack Bentner. Wilshere with the other. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. But moving our attentions to this clash on Monday, of course, it will be live on Sky Sports. Bramall Lane, not the easiest place to go to, as we saw with Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. Mm. They managed to scrape the victory, quite fortunately so. Genie Wijnaldum shot, mm. bundling under the body of Dean Henderson. But how do you see this one going, mate? Um, well... I know if Dave was here, it'd be like, it'd be positivity and whatnot, positive energy and we're going to go out there and win and me and Chris, I've sort of like, I don't know, I haven't been hanging around with Chris for too long and I, I don't know, I'll be, we should win but if we get out with a draw, what can we expect? I'm being honest, Matt, you know, um, away from home, we've not been great, you know, and I know that, you know, Sheffield United's home form isn't that great but, you know, they'll be up for it, man. They'll be up for it and I, and I, and I wonder, well, we'll be up for who's who's coming back from the international break. Who's going to be ready? Who's going to be fit? Are they going to be in form? You know, Sheffield United probably don't have that many players away at internationals. They've probably got these two weeks to really focus on the tactics and whatnot. And I don't know. I don't know. Oh, crikey. Yeah, I know. I you, do you know what? It really surprises me. And I know I get, I get a bit of stick for this on the show, but it does surprise me that, that there is that sort of downbeat attitude generally on on this show and you're right about the away form only one win on the road this season mm. of course that opening day against Newcastle that was a struggle. yeah I suppose that was a bit of a struggle but I don't know it feels like it's not that bad at the moment and like Dave alluded to earlier once those players get back to fitness and once that back line is sorted we mm. could see an entirely I new think Arsenal it's, you know what I think it's more than just the back line though I think everyone's sort of focusing on look holding wasn't a regular but mm. everyone seems to think it's Bobby Moore mm. You know, it's difficult. Tierney's just coming back. Bellerin's behind Tierney in terms of fitness. They have to, they're going to have at least three, four, five games before they get into the run of things. And then we have to sort out the system. And then we have to sort out the, the, the players that screen them. Because if them two are playing, if them two are providing our width and being our version of T, um, Trent Arnold and, and uh, Andrew Robertson. Robertson, who's going to cover for them? You know, and it looks like, it looks like Renduzzi's the shoe and he's like the number one first pick in midfield. Great as he is, you know, he's, he's committed, he's, he's, he's forceful, he's, he, you know, he shows up and whatnot. He plays Xhaka as well. Xhaka isn't the greatest mover, you know, so I'm worried about our midfield. I don't think those three players coming in will solve, overnight solve all our problems. I think it's deeper than that. Well, that is, like you said, mm. that's where your DCM, as it were, mm. becomes a hugely important figure because if you've got those players bombing on, and that's why I suppose Jordan Henderson is regarded as a very influential figure at Liverpool because he does sit. But no, it's Fabinho, isn't it? Fabinho sits mm. and screens, you know, and 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 Henderson and Ronaldo do the doggies. They're up and down. Well, Henderson tries. Yeah, Henderson tries. <laughs> yeah, but um, they they you know they're, they're just phys- they're, they're mentally switched on. They you know they 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 grown men. They they they've been around the block. They know how to. The and they're used work. to the system. Yeah, that's the used, problem. Exactly. Yeah. They're used to it. We don't know what's going on. Uh, it looks like the players half the time don't know what's going on. You know, so uh, 
I'm sorry. I mean, I would love to be more positive, but the current climate, we should win. But if we get out of a draw, we haven't lost. Well, on that, a hugely mm. not so positive <laughs> note. Can you give me a score prediction at least, Giles? Head says 1-0. Heart says 3-1 Arsenal. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm going to finish it by saying that Arsenal are going to win 3-1 at Bramall Lane next Monday. We will give you all the reaction from that game as it is going on, of course, because the Arsenal fan show on Lost Spot will return at 7pm, an hour before the game kicks off. We will see you next week. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. 